You're going to love this. Just love it. Of course you will. This week I do. I got the feeling that something right. That's why. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. Scared. <laughs> and I'm wondering how I'll get down oh, the stairs. Brother. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. Yep, I am stuck in the middle with you. Clowns to the left, jokers to the right, as usual. We are live on KPFK in Los Angeles. This is your Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow from bradblog.com. We are live on 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, and 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake. Oh, don't forget, coast to coast and around the globe on kpfk.org, on the Stitcher app, on the TuneIn app, on the Progressive Voices channel on Netroots Radio and on Liberal Justice Radio. Just try and run and hide from us. Good luck. You won't get away. Glad you could join us this afternoon. Another big, big show, as we like to say. But first, it's, you know, it's, uh, boy, it, it, it's in my imagination, or does it, it just come earlier and earlier each year? Of course, I know what uh, you're all thinking. You all know what I'm talking about, of course. National Whistleblower Protection Day. Once again... It's upon us. Yes, the holidays are here. And uh, yesterday, of course, National Whistleblower Protection Day. I'm sure you were uh, you were out celebrating, enjoying the parades, uh, you know, out with the family picnics, barbecues and, and whatnot. How did the government celebrate National Whistleblower Protection Day yesterday? They found U.S. Army Private Bradley Manning guilty of 20 counts related to what? Whistleblowing. Yes, national security whistleblowing. Uh, Bradley Manning now is facing some 136 years for, you know, stuff like uh, computer theft and leaking to the media. Uh, some charges under the Espionage Act. The good news is the big charge under the Espionage Act, aiding the enemy, uh, on that, he was acquitted, found not guilty, as Dan Ellsberg uh, had predicted some years ago that he would not be found guilty. We're going to talk about uh, the, the Manning case and uh, Ellsberg's comments and all of that related in a little bit. But first, uh, oh, and we will, of course, as always, have Desi Doyen and the Green News Report coming up a little bit later. But first, I want to focus. There, there's something going on here. Something very strange going on here, and I want to start this story in North Carolina. In North Carolina, where they have just passed one of, not one of, but the most extreme, most radical voter suppression bills in the country. But here's a few points that are interesting about it. This from, uh, where are are we here? WNCN in Raleigh, North Carolina, an NBC affiliate out there. One of the more compelling arguments for voter identification 
is the suppression of voter fraud. But for North Carolina, the number of cases of voter fraud reported by the State Board of Elections is minimal. In 2012, for example, nearly 7 million ballots were cast in the general and two primary elections. Of those 6,947,317 ballots, the State Board of Elections said 121 alleged cases, alleged cases of voter fraud were referred to the appropriate district attorney's office. That means of the nearly 7 million votes cast, voter fraud accounted, presuming that these were actually voter fraud, voter fraud accounted for 0.00174% of the ballots cast last year. Looking back at the 2010 election cycle, not a presidential election year, 3.79 million ballots were cast and only 28 cases of voter fraud were turned over to the appropriate DA's office. So in 2010, voter fraud accounted in North Carolina for 0.000738% of ballots cast. But it is worse than all of that. And the reasons for this bill have nothing to do with voter fraud. Uh, the reasons for for passing this draconian bill, as they have now done in North Carolina, are, uh, are, are worse and more insidious and obnoxious than you think. But first, uh, before I give you those reasons why, I want to touch base on the actual details of this bill to give you just an idea of how bad it is. Yes, it includes uh, polling place photo ID restrictions, despite the fact that hundreds of thousands of legal North Carolina voters do not have the type of state-issued photo ID. You can't use your student ID. You can't use a, a, a municipal ID even. You know, if you work for City Hall in some town in North Carolina, nope, not good enough. So uh, you need polling place photo ID uh, now, unless this uh, law changes in North Carolina, to even cast your vote, despite the uh, lack of uh, voter fraud problems in that state. It also eliminates North Carolina's very successful same-day voter registration program, where you used to be able to both register and vote on the same day. You know, increase the electorate, that sort of thing that Republicans like to pretend they give a damn about. However, as Rick Hassan writes, the UC uh, Irvine professor, election law professor, writes, this bill is also a laundry list of ways to make it harder for people to vote and which cannot plausibly, plausibly be justified on anti-fraud grounds. Let me give you just a few ideas of, of how bad this bill is. And as I say, it is the worst in the country. And the reason I'm going through this list, by the way, is because... These restrictions on voting are coming to a town and state near you. So other provisions in the North Carolina bill. It will eliminate pre-registration for 16 and 17-year-olds, high schoolers, who concurrently register to vote before they turn 18. So, you know, if your birthday is a few days uh, before the election, you can vote because you're 18 and you have pre-registered. They're doing away with that because Lord knows we don't want those uh, pesky high schoolers registering to vote and then voting. It also outlaw outlaws paid voter registration drives. So uh, organizations who want to pay people to go out and register people to vote. Nope, I, I can't do that anymore. No participating in your, in your democracy that way. It eliminates provisional voting. If someone happens to show up at the wrong precinct and says, oh, I didn't know what my precinct was. Can I cast a provisional ballot here? No, no, they can't. 
It prohibits counties from extending poll hours. This is a remarkable one. Uh, From extending poll hours by one hour on Election Day in extraordinary circumstances, such as when the lines are long. You know, if people have problems, for example, with the photo ID law, that causes the lines to be long. Usually they'll keep the polls open for an extra hour to accommodate that. No more. Not under North Carolina's law and the law coming to a state near you. They will no longer uh, will allow any, I should say, allow any registered voter of uh, of the county to show up and challenge the eligibility of voters. You know, oh, they don't belong here. Go check their ID. We're going to challenge. Make that vote provisional. And of course, that will make the lines longer and they'll need to extend the uh, polling hours. But now they can't. Uh, instead of electronic filing for campaign returns, which had previously been mandated in North Carolina, which had previously been somewhat progressive, now they're going to do a study to find out if that's right. See, what happened here was the Republicans took over the House, took over the uh, Senate, and took over the governor's mansion. And now they are making hay of it, not just with voter uh, uh, suppression laws, but with abortion restrictions and taking away money from unemployment and from education. And they are doing everything Thing they can to make it harder and harder for the people to exercise their own democracy and to have a, a, a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And the people of North Carolina, I'm happy to say, are fighting back. You may have heard about the Moral Monday demonstrations that have been going on. Across, and by the way, the, the bill is worse than that. But I don't have time for how bad that bill actually is. You may have heard about these Moral Monday demonstrations that have been going on on Mondays for the last, I think, 13 consecutive Mondays in uh, in North Carolina, where 150 different groups, not just religious groups, but atheist groups, have uh, have all band together, have put, a, put aside their disagreements, church groups coming together with LGBT groups uh, and and standing up and fighting for their laws, fighting for reason in this uh, unreasonable state that uh, North Carolina has now become. That's a good thing, because if you take a look at what the uh, the reason that the Republicans now say that they're that they're passing this law in North Carolina is not because of voter fraud. Uh, House Speaker Tom Tillis, Republican from Mecklenburg, uh, admitted just in March of this year that voter fraud in the state is a minimal issue. He said that suppressing voter fraud is not the primary reason behind House Bill 589. We call this restoring confidence in elections, Tillis said. Quote, there is some voter fraud, but that's not the primary reason for doing this. Tillis added that the primary reason is that there are a lot of people who are just concerned with the potential risk of fraud. And the bill would make nearly three-fourths of the population more comfortable and more confident when they go to the polls. So they know voter fraud is not a problem. It's just the concerns about voter fraud. And where did they get these concerns? Oh, did they get them from Fox News and the rest of the right-wing media telling people there is voter fraud, telling people there is massive voter fraud going on, and that's why we need these photo ID laws? Of course. Of course, that's where they got the idea, and they created the idea that there was a problem, and therefore 
they must pass a bill to uh, combat the idea that there is a problem. I received a document today from Don Wright, the general counsel of the North Carolina State Board of Elections. I asked him for the breakdown of the types of fraud that have occurred in North Carolina over the past uh, several years. This breakdown shows every single case of uh, of voter fraud that has been turned over to the uh, district attorney's office in the state of North Carolina going back to the year 2000. Uh, When it comes to photo ID restrictions at the polling place, since the year 2000 in uh, North Carolina, and that is the the main reason for this law, is this photo ID restrictions, there have been out of tens of millions of votes cast exactly two, two, count them, two cases of voter impersonation at the polling place. The only type of fraud that can possibly be deterred by photo ID restrictions. Two, there was one case in 2004. There was one case last year. And yet 300,000 voters, legal voters, have their voting imperiled now in the state of North Carolina. The protests are now underway. And this caught my eye uh, last week, uh, a photograph of one of the protesters who was being uh, uh, brought out by by the uh, police at, at a Moral Monday protest, protesting against these uh, these uh, this voter suppression law in North Carolina, it was a kindly old man. He looked to be about eighty years old. He had a Navy uh, shirt on that says Navy. He had a cap on that says Korean War vet. Uh, He appears to be hobbling. He has a cane. The police officer was kind enough to not put these zip tie handcuffs on behind his back, but allow him to uh, be zip tied in front so that he could hold his cane. It turns out uh, this kindly old man who is being hauled off by the police for demonstrating in the Capitol building in Raleigh, North Carolina. His name is Robert Plummer Jr. of Carthage, North Carolina. He is 83 years old, I came to learn when I spoke to him recently. He's a Korean War vet. He was one of the very first African-American Navy underwater demolition team members, divers, a.k.a. frogmen, the precursor to the U.S. Navy SEALs. And uh, there was someone on hand when he was, uh, do you have this clip uh, number two, G? Um, Someone on hand when he was released after being arrested for protesting his voting rights in North Carolina. Uh, And it's a little bit hard to hear, but I'll read you what he said uh, after the clip. I just want to give you a sense of of who this man is. Clip number two. What do you think of your voting rights being attacked? I am very despondent on that factor because that's what I went to war for, for the protection of the voting rights. And I can't see us going and fighting insane democracy all over the world when our voting rights are being deteriorated right here in the United States. Was this your first arrest for civil disobedience? No. I was arrested Pettus Bridge. King. Can you tell us about Pettus? I mean, we have- no, I don't want to go back that far. Okay. I'm a young man You're a young now. man. Okay. in case you couldn't hear that, he says he's very despondent on uh, the attack on voting rights in North Carolina. 
He says, I went to war for protection of voting rights. And when asked if he had been arrested before, he said, yes, he was arrested on the Edmund Pettus Bridge with Martin Luther King during the 1965 March for Voting Rights on Bloody Sunday in Selma, Alabama. When he was later asked in that very brief interview, uh, that that, uh, post-jail interview, uh, Robert Plummer Jr. said uh, when asked if he was going to keep fighting for voting rights, he responded most emphatically. I spoke with Robert Plummer uh, yesterday. He was not able to join us live on the show today because he has Bible class at this time uh, on Wednesdays when uh, when we do the broadcast. However... Uh, He said that he told me, and this is a quote from him, he said, I'm willing to get arrested because I can see the wheel is turning in the opposite way. We were going in a progressive way, but now it's going backwards. It could still change if our legislators turn another way, and I may have to get real kind of biblical on them, he said. On everything, unemployment, health care, voting rights, the whole nine yards has been eroded so egregiously. The good Lord is looking down on us and saying, why? And we have no pertinent answer to give to the Lord because we are all trying to abide by the mosaic of laws. Even though the Ten Commandments were supposed to have been changed with the crucifixion of Jesus, but still, I see a form of crucifixion being done on our poor, disabled youth and our middle class. That was Robert Plummer Jr., 83 years old, Korean War veteran, uh, war hero, uh, walked across the Edmund Pettus Bridge, was arrested on Bloody Sunday, fighting for voting rights, and 83 years old, he now has to show up at the Capitol and protest what the hell is going on in his state. But it's not just North Carolina, and it's not just African-Americans. It's, uh, it's Florida, where they are uh, showing up in protests at the Capitol and at the, the governor's office. It's Texas, where they are fighting against this radical right-wing uh, government that is uh, passing these extreme abortion bills. It's up in Wisconsin, where they have been protesting now for two years straight since uh, Scott Walker and his uh, radical anti-union bill back in 2011. And in fact, they have been singing at that Capitol every day since that uh, radical bill was passed back in 2011. Until recently, until a day or two ago, actually until last week, when suddenly the police could tolerate it apparently no more at the Wisconsin Capitol building in Madison. Um... That's when uh, things got, uh, well, let me give you an idea. Here is what it sounded like last week in the Wisconsin Capitol building when the police decided uh, the singing just had to stop. I'll give you just, just an idea of what that sounded like. I need room, please. Thank you. What is he being arrested for? Yes, what am I getting arrested for? Turn around, put your hands behind your back. I'm being arrested for items. Not resist. What is he being arrested for? What is he being arrested for?
So it's not just in North Carolina where they are arresting uh, octogenarians. Two of those people who were arrested at some point during that sound clip you just heard were Joan and Tom Kemble. They are 80 and 85 years old, respectively. Uh, they are the parents of journalist Rebecca Kemble, who wrote about their arrest last week at the Progressive Magazine. And once I saw their arrest in Wisconsin, uh, Robert Plummer's arrest out in North Carolina, it occurred to me, what the hell is going on here that we are handcuffing and hauling away 80-year-old, 85-year-old, 83-year-olds who are protesting peacefully uh, attempting to uh, petition uh, their uh, their government in a peaceful way and yet they are being dragged off as I said Robert Plummer could not join us uh, today but I'm delighted to be joined right now on the phone by both Tom and Joan Kemble jailbirds both apparently uh, from Wisconsin they join us now on the broadcast uh, Tom and Joan welcome well, hello. Delighted to have you both here. Uh, glad you two scofflaws have made your way out of uh, out of the hands of the police uh, to join us here. Uh, and I know there were new developments uh, this week in your case, Tom, in particular. I'm going to get to that in a moment. But first, uh, let's start with you, Joan. Ladies first, why were you protesting? And when I say protesting, what I mean is singing very nicely uh, in the uh, state capitol in Madison. Well, uh, we moved here a year and a half ago from Connecticut, and I have just been horrified to see what the government here is uh, doing. Are you there? Uh, yeah, I'm here. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. There is uh, no compassion in this government for people at all. They play by the ALEC playbook, all the laws. They don't listen to the people. Uh, they don't respect their constituents. And uh, it's really horrible. It's uh, and uh, the so Alec. We, we went to the sing along when we first moved here, mm -hmm. and the uh, spirit of those people just caught me up. And in fact, I cried the first day I was there at one of the songs uh, that uh, is on Wisconsin, which of course is a very patriotic Wisconsin song. Mm -hmm. But it ends up with cannot. Stop or stay till my children all are equal. Hail the mighty day. And it just chokes me up every time. Well, you know what? And I have to admit, uh, Joan, uh, I was choked up a bit as well, as I know was was your daughter when she was writing about this. When I looked at the video, and we have that at bradblog.com, when I looked at the video of, uh, of you singing, We Will Not Be Afraid, as, they were, uh, as the police were handcuffing the, the person next to you, uh, uh, Tom, what, what is your thought? What, what moved you to show up uh, to these sing-alongs at the state capitol, to these radical, apparently criminal uh, sing-alongs at, at the state capitol, Tom? Well, after being uh, political junkies in Connecticut for 50 years, uh, we decided to move to uh, Wisconsin because of two daughters and five grandchildren. And uh, one of them was Rebecca Campbell, of course. And so we just jumped right in. Uh, within weeks of uh, arriving in Madison, we started, we jumped into the sing-along group 
and uh, been very happy with it ever since. Have there been so problems long. with the uh, sing-along in the past? I, I, my understanding is it's been going on every single day uh, for something like 700 days. Has there ever been any problem that, that you're aware of in the years since you've been there uh, where the police asked you, could you please not sing? Could you tone it down? Uh, could you uh, uh, sing a different song? No. And Any problems whatsoever until now? No. These are not the first arrests, but they were, you know, one or two at a time, Mm -hmm. individuals. And what they do is finger certain people, because they have cameras all around our rotunda. And they do, uh, I don't know what you call it, facial ID. Mm -hmm. And they would send people uh, tickets in the mail that didn't even know they were going to get one. After they quit cuffing people for a while, because uh, other folks were taking pictures of that. So they quit that and started just sending them in the mail. But this is a big new uh, rash. So so they were sending tickets to people for having sung uh, at the Capitol building, just showing up and singing? Could uh, you could find a a ticket back at home in the mail? Yes, with no warning for two hundred dollars. This is amazing to me. Now, there's a new law in, I think it's a new law in Wisconsin. Uh, Whoever does any of the following shall be subject to a forfeiture of not more than $500. uh, And and the list includes, without approval of the department, if you conduct a picket, rally, parade, or demonstration in those buildings and facilities managed or leased by the department or in properties surrounding those Buildings is is that what you were charged, uh, 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 Joan Kimball? No, because our group is a leaderless group. Uh, you see, there's an event every day, every weekday, called the sing along. Mm-hmm. We never know who's going to show up. Nobody organizes us. Nobody is the leader. Mm-hmm. That's why we can't get a permit because who is going to have the authority to get a permit for this group? Never knowing, are they going to be? 20 people or 200 people or people just show up. Tom, and now over 60 have been arrested recently. And, uh, you know, they're $200 fines. And we need money because uh, we're going to all ask for jury trials, individual jury trials. <laughs> nice. So I want to tell you about SolidaritySingAlong.org where people can donate to that fund because a lot of our folks cannot afford this, frankly. Solidarity. They get arrested anyway. Yeah, they get arrested anyway. Solidarity, SolidaritySingAlong.org. I know there's also a Facebook yes. page. Uh, Tom, any idea why this sudden crackdown uh, on, on you scofflaw singers uh, at the Wisconsin Capitol? I know that uh, Scott Walker is eyeing a run for president, God help us, in 2016. Any uh, idea why they're yeah. suddenly cracking down here? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, previously, uh, the chief of the Capitol Police in uh, Madison, Wisconsin, was uh, frankly sympathetic to us. But about last year, the governor uh, kicked him upstairs to be chief of Homeland Security in Wisconsin and replaced him with one of his body uh, uh, guards named uh, David Irwin. And that's when the trouble started. <laughs> and David Irwin, he he was uh, under under the governor's orders. I'm sure he was uh, Walker's body man, and he's now been put yeah. in charge of the Capitol. Yeah. 
Yeah. What you know? What do you? Yeah. Uh, I'll throw this out to either of you, uh, Joan Kemble and and Tom Kemble, both arrested uh, last week. What what do you make of what this seems to be this new wave of protesters across the country uh, that you know crosses all sort of uh, uh, ethnic boundaries, uh, class yes. boundaries, yep. uh, age boundaries? Obviously, uh, what do you make of this? Have you seen anything like this in either of your uh, eighty plus years uh, no, in this country? And it's about time, as far as I'm concerned. Because the rich are getting richer, and the poor are getting poorer. And, uh, you know, the old adage was, people will rise up. And, uh, frankly, I've been waiting for them to rise up before this. But uh, it's about time. Well, people will rise up. Uh, yeah, a lot of people have been waiting for that. And I guess it takes people like you to actually just show up and do it as you did. Uh, Tom, uh, I've got just a, another yeah. minute or two with, with you guys here. But, uh, Tom, I know there's been a new development. I was going to ask if you if you both were going to continue to protest after your arrests last week. Uh, but I think the news of the week uh, shows here that, that you have every intention of continuing the pro- protest. You were arrested again the day before yesterday? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Right, right. And what what were you arrested for this time? Uh, no permit. I, I, that's what the, the ticket says, no permit. Singing with no permit. And do you intend, so now that's your second, or I hope there's not a three strikes law in Wisconsin, is there? No, no I, I don't think so. <laughs> but I, I must say that uh, going around and it's talking with people, uh, my people, in my mind, I am woefully ignorant of what is actually going on. Wisconsin really is a divided state. Maybe half of us, probably a little less than half of us, are very, very progressive people. Mm-hmm. But the other half are quite conservative. And uh, that's where it stands now. And uh, that's how, basically, that's how the governor uh, uh, got, uh, got beat, uh, 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 won on the recall election. Mm-hmm. Because, because uh, he was heavily funded from outside the state, that helped. It, yeah, it certainly did. And I would also suggest another thing that helped is uh, the difficulty that citizens out there had overseeing their own election, making sure that people were able to cast, making sure those votes were counted right. accurately. So, listen, I just right. want to say uh, to both of you, uh, thank you for standing up I, you know, and singing. And frankly, you know, at, at your age, no one would blame you if you were uh, kicking back at the lake and just enjoying yourself this summer uh, rather than raising health for all of us. I want to thank you for that. And normally, yeah, normally, by the way, uh, before I let you go here, uh, normally I wouldn't ask for this, but I, I heard the both of you on a on a local radio show that you were on last week, uh, and you, you sang a little ditty. Can I get you to sing one for me here, too? Oh. Wisconsin was forward. Was popular as it could be, but now that her motto is backward. Oh, bring back Wisconsin to me. Oh, bring back, bring back, oh, bring back Wisconsin to me. Bring back, bring back, oh, bring back Wisconsin to me. Joan and Tom Kemble. 
Thank you very much for that song. Thank you for all you're doing. Uh, we wrote about y'all at bradblog.com. You can check out the story there, see some video okay. of Joan and Tom, and uh, see Rebecca Kemble, uh, their daughter's great story, at the Progressive Magazine. Keep up the fight, Joan and Tom. Remember SolidaritySingalong.org for donations. Smartly done. SolidaritySingalong.org. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Something happening here What it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop, children What's that sound? Everybody look what's going down Yeah, something is going on here Something is going on. I'm trying to figure it out. I know that, you know, it's either protests or whistleblowers, but uh, apparently whistleblowing don't work. We're going to take a quick break and come back and talk about exactly that on the Bradcast. By the way, you can tweet me at the Brad blog, And if the radio gods are with us, maybe we'll take a call or two at 818-985-5735. That's 818-985-KPFK. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. This week, Arena Cinema Theater presents two provocative, insightful, gender-bending films. Laurence Anyway asks the question, will the woman Lawrence loves love the woman he wants to be? In spite of the odds and each other, he and his girlfriend confront prejudices of friends, ignore the counsel of their families, and brave the phobias of society to embark on an epic journey which may cost them themselves and each other. Breaking the Girls has been called by Variety a lipstick lesbian riff on Hitchcock's Strangers on a Train a pulpy mix of sex, blackmail, and murder. Lawrence Anyway and Breaking the Girls both screen at the Arena Cinema Theater, 1625 North Las Palmas Avenue in Hollywood. A limited number of tickets have been offered to KPFK Film Club members who are invited to call the front desk at 818-985-2711 during business hours for a pair of tickets to selected screenings of either film. And if you aren't already a film club member, please consider joining at kpfk.org. Don't talk about the weather. Shh. It's the military secret. Just keep your wits together. Shh. That's the safest way to keep it. These are critical times. Be careful of espionage. In such critical times, you've got to watch out for sabotage. Mm-hmm. If you must talk to someone. Shh. Don't give any information. No, don't. It's smart to be a dumb one. Simply change the conversation. <laughs> Let's just talk about love. Cause that's what I'm thinking of. And it's no military secret that I love you. Yeah, that's it. Just talk about love. 
No secrets. No information about what our government is doing. No protesting what our government is doing. You know, during the Bush years... Oh, welcome back. This is the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. You know, during the, the Bush administration, there was a lot of conversation about we need whistleblowers to step forward. People are protesting. People are out in the streets. It's the largest protest we've seen in the history of this nation against the Iraq war, but that's not enough. We need whistleblowers. Well, now the whistleblowers have come forward. And what has happened under a new administration? Those whistleblowers have been punished like we have never seen before in this country. I mentioned that uh, yesterday was National Whistleblower Protection Day and the irony that U.S. Army uh, soldier Bradley Manning, who leaked hundreds of thousands of documents, important documents, uh, word about, uh, you know, our troops uh, killing uh, citizens in Iraq uh, from helicopter gunships, shooting down journalists, uh, Reuters journalists and their drivers. Information that led uh, to the Tunisian uprising, which in turn led to the Arab Spring. A lot of important information, a lot of important documents that the people, frankly, have the right to know about. How many people were killed? How many uh, 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 civilians were killed in Iraq? Tens of thousands, even though our government told us they did not keep records of such things. All of that came out thanks to Bradley Manning, who has been serving time in jail for three years, sometimes under uh, conditions that were found to be excessively harsh by his military uh, uh, judge, Army Colonel Denise Lind, who found that his uh, detention for nine months, nine months in solitary, this 23-year-old man, Nine months in solitary, often unclothed, confined in a windowless cell for 23 hours a day. The judge found that uh, that confinement had been, quote, excessive in relation to legitimate government interests. And at the time, with Bradley Manning facing a life sentence for, quote, aiding the enemy, she reduced his potential life sentence by 122 days. Well, the verdict in his case came in yesterday, and he was acquitted of aiding and abetting al-Qaeda. Of course, the government had absolutely no evidence that Bradley Manning was doing anything of the kind, and it was an unprecedented charge in a leak case. Nonetheless, despite being acquitted of that case... Uh, of, of that charge, uh, he may still face some 136 years in prison for the other charges, including espionage and computer theft for which the military found him guilty yesterday. That despite the government's failure to demonstrate even one example of someone who was hurt by Manning's leaks. That, according to CNN's Jake Tapper, and that, according to everyone who has watched this trial, the government admitted they could show uh, no one who was actually hurt by Bradley Manning's leaks. They could show no evidence that he was trying to help the enemy. And therefore, there was never any reason to charge him with aiding and abetting al-Qaeda. There was never any reason to charge him under the, uh, under the Espionage Act of 1917. And that was something that Daniel Ellsberg knew years ago. I spoke with him on KPFK back in uh, late 2010, December of 2010, just after Bradley Manning had been uh, hauled in and was uh, expected to be the, uh, the leaker in, in that case. 
Uh, And here's what Dan Ellsberg had to say about Bradley Manning and about the notion that he was aiding and abetting al-Qaeda. This was back in 2010, one year uh, approximately into Bradley Manning's confinement and two years before he was finally acquitted of at least that one charge. Dan, Dan Ellsberg in 2010. Bradley Manning is not a traitor any more than I was. Uh, I'm sure that, I, from what I've read, that he, in fact, is very patriotic, uh, as I was. And, uh, indeed, the charge of treason in our country, in our Constitution, uh, requires uh, aid and comfort to an enemy with whom you adhere in adherence to an enemy uh, and to the disadvantage of the United States. I don't think Bradley Manning or I uh, intended at all to be disadvantageous to the United States, quite the contrary, to do things, as I said, to uh, reveal truth that would reduce the danger that our policies are subjecting Americans to. And Bradley Manning, I'm sure, does not adhere to the Taliban or to al-Qaeda any more than I adhered to the Viet Cong, which was zero. So uh, that charge is is ignorant, let's say, of uh, what the term means in American Charge was ignorant indeed, and uh, Bradley Manning was found to have not aided and abetted the enemy, and yet he still faces a potential 136 years in prison despite having apparently hurt no one and not aided and abetted the enemy. Ali Abu Nima, uh, the, uh, the the founder of electronicintifada.org, uh, tweeted after the verdict yesterday, Quote, undeniable fact is that if Bradley Manning had illegally tortured people for the CIA, Obama would have protected him from trial. End of story, he tweeted. Jank Uger, our friend from the Young Turks, tweeted, What punishment did the commander in charge of Abu Ghraib torture get? $8,000 fine is the answer. Jenk then followed up with, does anyone really believe that if Bradley Manning had committed war crimes instead of exposing them, that he would be in bigger trouble? The ACLU, uh, who is this from? Uh, This is uh, ACLU's Catherine Thomas uh, writing, oh yeah, quoting uh, Ben Wisner, the ACLU Speech, Privacy, and Technology Project director in a statement, said... Quote, while we're relieved that Mr. Manning was acquitted of the most dangerous charge, the ACLU has long held the view that leaks to the press and the public interest should not be prosecuted under the Espionage Act. Since Bradley Manning already pleaded guilty to charges of leaking information, which carry significant punishment, it seems clear that the government was seeking to intimidate anyone who might consider revealing valuable information in the future. And Julian Assange... Uh, who is now holed up in a uh, what Ecuadorian embassy in London trying to avoid the same fate. And Julian Assange, by the way, is not a whistleblower. He's a journalist, and yet he uh, is wanted by the U.S. Uh, in his statement, uh, he said that the aiding the enemy charge has fallen away. It was only included, it seems, to make calling journalism espionage seem reasonable. It is not. Bradley Manning's alleged disclosures have exposed war crimes, sparked revolutions, and induced democratic reform. He is the quintessential whistleblower. This is the first ever espionage conviction against a whistleblower. It is a dangerous precedent and an example of national security extremism. 
Julian Assange went on to write, it is a short-sighted judgment that can be tolerated, that cannot be tolerated and must be reversed. It can never be that conveying true information to the public is espionage. President Obama has initiated more espionage proceedings against whistleblowers and publishers than all previous presidents combined. In 2008, presidential candidate Barack Obama ran on a platform that praised whistleblowing as an act of courage and patriotism. That platform has been comprehensively betrayed. His campaign document describing whistleblowers as watchdogs when government abuses its authority was removed from the Internet just last week. That was Julian Assange. And it's not just President Obama. Uh, it's the uh, the corporate mainstream media. I'm going to play you just one short clip from this conference. This was amazing, an amazing debate. And I'll point you to bradblog.com uh, for the rest of it. Um, so I could just play one clip here. But this is from uh, a debate on CNN yesterday between journalists Glenn Greenwald of The Guardian and Jeffrey Tubin of New York Magazine. Uh, Jeffrey Tubin, a, a longtime Washington, D.C. legal expert and journalist. Well, this speaks for itself. Uh, Tubin starts, uh, he's asked by Anderson Cooper what he thinks of, uh, of the verdict and the acquittal of the, uh, at least the worst of the charges against Bradley Manning. Judge acquitted, uh, acquitted him of that charge, but... I think what Manning did was appalling. I think he betrayed his fellow members of the military, he betrayed the Foreign Service, and he should be going to prison, and he will be. Glenn, I know you disagree. I do. I think uh, the, the verdict, and I also think that Jeff's comments kind of underscore what a lot of people really hate about Washington, which is that if you're sufficiently rich and powerful and well-connected in Washington, the laws don't apply to you, you don't get punished, the only people who do are people like Bradley Manning. The theory that the government used, one of which was not successful, but much of, many of which were, was that he engaged in espionage and helped the enemy because the material that he caused to be published on the internet ended up being helpful to Osama bin Laden. Bob Woodward has written book after book after book and has become extremely rich by publishing secrets way more sensitive than anything Bradley Manning ever published. Nothing that Manning published was top secret, unlike what Bob Woodward publishes, and yet nobody I would ever talk about Bob Woodward the way that Jeff Tubin just did, or his sources, um, because he's in good standing in Washington. His sources are high-level officials in, in the White House. They leak all the time. Washington is nothing about leaks, um, and yet the only people who get punished for it are, are people who are marginalized in Washington, and that's a broader uh, reflection of how the law is abused. Absolutely. The, the notion that Bob Woodward can get a top secret information from uh, the, the president or anyone else uh, in the administration and publish that and is looked at as a, ter a tremendous thing. And this great journalist, Bob Woodward, but God forbid someone releases much more innocuous, much more I innocuous uh, uh, leaks uh, then they must be tried. They must be thrown into a prison for three years under excessive uh, uh, confinement in a windowless cell, and charged uh, with a hundred and for uh, charged on twenty counts amounting to some one hundred and thirty-six years that they may be held. It's just amazing. And you hear Jeffrey Tubin in that clip apologizing for that, making excuses for that. And it goes on. It gets worse. Oh, believe me, it gets worse. Go to bradblog.com after the show uh, and, and check it out and check out Tubin's defense 
of, of this extraordinary behavior, this extraordinary moment in history when the administration is going after journalists, try, uh, you know, naming them as co-conspirators for reporting, for investigative reporting. That's what we do. And I guess if you're Bob Woodward, it's just fine. If you're Bradley Manning, if you're Edward Snowden, if you're James Risen, if you're uh, at the New York Times, if you're James Rosen at the uh, Fox News, if you're AP journalists, you can have your phones tapped. If you're Glenn Greenwald of The Guardian, you can have congressmen call for your arrest. That's where we are. That's where we are. And I think it's little wonder then that we see 80-year-old, 83-year-old Navy veterans showing up to protest and being arrested for it in North Carolina. 80 and uh, 85-year-old couple singing, singing in protest and being arrested for that. Where is the accountability in this country? What the hell are we going to do about it? Things don't seem to be getting better. They seem to be getting worse. But if protest doesn't work, if whistleblowing doesn't work, where do we go from here? I really don't know. And that's why I like to uh, talk to you people each week here and at bradblog.com in the search for answers. Uh, We'll continue that search. For now, uh, let's do some uh, green news. Did I catch you off guard? It's there we go. It's not easy being <laughs> green. It seems you blend in with so many other ordinary things. Sorry, by the way, I wasn't and able to get to the phones to uh, today. Uh, I had to, to go on and on. My apologies like for that. In the water. Next week, if the radio got through with us. Hey, Desi Doyen, hey. there's your theme song. Yes, that's me. There's your theme song. Uh, uh, you're here to cheer us up now, as usual. <laughs> we count on you. We rely on you. Actually, today's Green News report is, is kind of fun. It is a bit more fun than usual. More fun than usual and more fun than, than me and my, uh, you know, complaining about everything. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see if that's we'll true. We'll see. Yeah, you All be right. the judge. <laughs> All right. Let's do some uh, some Green News. That, of course, Desi Doyen, our, our producer, my co-host on the Green News report. Let's hit it. The latest Green News report. Let's approach this as an opportunity of a lifetime, because there are too many lifetimes at stake. EPA's Gina McCarthy smacks down false choice between jobs and the environment. Republicans have said that this would be a big jobs generator. There is no evidence that that's true. President Obama smacks down Keystone XL jobs claims. In Australia, winter is the new summer. A witch's brew of pesticides is still killing the bees, plus... Solar-powered battery breakthrough. You'll never guess where it's being used. Where? Ah, you'll never guess. All of those guesses and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. The same people who are unwilling to cut the spending, and they're, gimme, 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 gimme all my Sandy money now. Oh, and Kentucky U.S. Senator Rand Paul lands a right hook against New Jersey heavyweight Chris Christie. Come to New Jersey and sit across from the widows and the orphans and have that conversation. Christie jabs back at Rand Paul with an uppercut. I didn't start this one, and I don't plan on starting uh, things by criticizing other Republicans. Oh, but it's too late, and both men are down for the count. This is your Green News Report. 
Okay, Desi Toyin, lots going on today. Never mind Rand Paul and Chris Christie having an out. What do you have for us today? Well, first, in Australia, winter is the new summer. It's a downright warm winter down under in the Southern Hemisphere, where parts of Australia are seeing their warmest winter on record, their hottest June, and now their hottest July ever, which follows the U.S.'s record warm winter last year. Super investor Warren Buffett warned last week that coal will die a slow but inevitable death in the U.S. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And now Goldman Sachs is getting in on the game, saying coal exports are a dead end from the U.S. too, concluding in a new analysis that new coal export terminals now being proposed for Washington and Oregon are a bad investment that are unlikely to be profitable. Now, by the way, Warren Buffett's company owns a whole bunch of those trains that are set to ship Tar sands oil from Alberta, Canada, especially if the pipeline doesn't come through. Isn't that right? Yes, it is. So he's happy to see the end of coal, maybe excited about the new tar sands oil trains he stands to make gazillions on. We'll have to find out. And I suspect we will. Yes, and more on Keystone XL Pipeline in a moment. Another new study finds the collapse in bee populations appears to be caused by a chemical cocktail of pesticides, which had already been suspected, combined with fungicides. That is new. They thought fungicides were safe for bees. The researchers say this witch's brew opens the door for deadly parasites to enter the hive and kill the bees. What's the difference between pesticide and fungicide? One kills insects, the other kills fungus. A new study oh, shows like I didn't know that. A new study shows higher rates of birth defects are clustered near industrial agriculture, where water is polluted with nitrates from farm runoff. That's fertilizers and manure. Those are the same industrial nitrate sources that are creating the dead zone in the Gulf of Mexico. President Obama reiterating that he will reject the controversial proposed Keystone XL pipeline from Canada if it's determined that the pipeline would significantly contribute to greenhouse gas emissions. And in an interview with the New York Times, he debunked the ridiculously inflated jobs claims of pipeline supporters. Republicans have said that this would be a big jobs generator. There is no evidence that that's true. The most realistic estimates are this might create maybe 2,000 jobs during the construction of the pipeline, which might take a, a year or two. And then after that, we're talking about somewhere between 50 and 100 jobs in a uh, economy of 150 million working people. I love how he laughs when he gets to 50 to 100 jobs. Somewhere between 50 and 100 jobs. I know. Yeah, and that was the jobs plan number one from Eric Cantor, the Republican majority leader in the House. Approved Keystone XL pipeline. He said it would add 20,000 direct and 100,000 indirect jobs. And it's totally not true. And in her first major policy speech on Tuesday, Gina McCarthy, the new administrator for the Environmental Protection Agency, also smacked down the false choice fronted by the climate denial industry that we must choose somehow between jobs and the environment. It's not a choice between the health of our children and the health of the economy. The truth is that we need to embrace cutting carbon pollution as a way to spark business innovation. And I said, Spock. S-P-A-R-K. <laughs> Colorful character, this Gina McCarthy, new EPA head. Finally, a new solar energy breakthrough for rural areas. It uses battery packs as big as cars that store solar energy from solar panels and can generate industrial-level electricity even overnight. The kicker is that pilot project is now being tested on oil rigs to replace diesel generators. They're using the solar 
to help them dig for oil. Right. The American genius never stops. For much more on all of those stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Don't forget, you can find us and like us on the Facebook and follow us 24-7 on the Twitters at Green News Report. For bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Because there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. God bless them indeed. Oh, yeah. Really working hard on taking that innovative new renewable energy and making it so they can dig for more fossil fuels. Uh, Desi, what, what took so long for uh, Barack Obama to come out and respond to these ridiculous uh, Keystone XL pipeline claims that it was going to be you know tens of thousands of jobs, that it was going to lower gas prices? This is the crap that Fox News and the Republicans have been repeating for years. And it seems like it was only this week that finally the president came out and said, no. Well, I have no idea what's going on in his head, but I do know that there was talk at the beginning of his administration when they gathered together many of the big, when the White House aides gathered together many of the big environmental groups, and they all said, don't talk about climate change. We'll talk about jobs. And of course, we found out later that that was actually, you know, the worst possible way that they could approach these very important and difficult issues, and including the Keystone XL pipeline. It's the same thing that, you know, the Kerry campaign did during the 2004 election. You know, get attacked, attacked, attacked with lies and then decide not, not to find to fight back directly with the facts, because that is not true. It will not create all the jobs that the supporters say that it will, as President Obama well, has finally it, admitted. And it won't raise it won't lower gas prices. It will raise them in the Midwest because it will take care of the glut that is currently keeping gas prices low in the Midwest. And and if they don't have to talk about climate change if they want to, you know, just respond to the lies. If it's about jobs then say, yeah, there aren't jobs here. The jobs they're talking about here are, are temporary and will be left with about 50 uh, jobs. Permanent jobs. Permanent jobs. Yes. And yet, uh, you know, generations of people in this nation, in this planet will pay the price for it. I mean, my guess would be that it's part of the campaign, the 2012 campaign. He's not running for election anymore, as he has famously said in his economic speeches in the last week. So he's going to fight for the middle class now. Great. We'll see. We'll see. Also, uh, Alberta oil spill continues, and it's still a mystery, and it's been going on for weeks up there in the tar sands. They don't know where it's coming from, and they don't know how to clean it up. Yeah, it's unfortunate because uh, there was a whistleblower scientist who was working up there for the Canadian government, and he said, this is ridiculous. You know, we don't know where it's coming from. As you said, we don't know how to stop it. And it's really important for people to know we don't know how to clean it up. The Kalamazoo River spill that was three years ago, that is still not cleaned up. And it is still having trouble. The the scientists from the EPA are saying we still are stuck here trying to get this this fixed. That so was the tar sands that's oil. That's a tar, oil, sands, tar sands pipeline spill well. oil spill into the Kalamazoo River. And I have this bad news for you, Des. Uh, you may not even know about, but from this from Reuters, oil spill blackens Thai beaches, threatening oh, tourism yeah. and fishing. I suspect that will be on tomorrow's Green News Report, yep. which folks can uh, hear at greennews.bradblog.com. Desi Doyen, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, that is our producer, of course, Desi Doyen. And my thanks as well to G, our soundboard operator, and to our guests, Joan and Tom Kemble up there in Wisconsin. Keep up the fight, Joan and Tom. Stay tuned for John Wiener in the 4 o'clock report. He'll have more on the North Carolina protests. And yes, I hear he has more arrestees. 
to talk to on the air. You're not going to want to miss that. We'll be back with you same Brad time, same Brad channel next week. Until then, I'm Brad Friedman. You can tweet me at the Brad blog and find me on bradblog.com. Good night, America.